on 89.9, The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And it's uh, an absolute pleasure to have a chat by the wonder of Zoom to the Lord Mayor of Melbourne, Sally Cap. She joins us. G'day, Sally. Hello, Clayton. Lovely to be with you. It's great to have a chat to you. Um, and I reckon you are somebody who uh, has one of the more difficult jobs going around at the moment. We've had uh, everything from uh, you know, one of the harshest lockdowns, the harshest lockdown in the world. Uh, we've had riots. We've had all sorts of things happening. Uh, and in a way, you haven't made many of those calls because of the state government, but you're having to deal with it all. Uh, how are you coping, first of all? Well, thank you for asking. I'm coping well, I think, because uh, I'm, I'm surrounded by inspirational stories and people and I draw a lot of energy from people. So I feel lucky, firstly, to be able to go to work every day. Secondly, to be in a role that's about helping people. And thirdly, to be able to be inspired by so many people uh, really um, makes me one of the luckier ones during this lockdown. But as you said, so many elements of what is going on at the moment are beyond my control. But that means I'm in the same situation as so many of our traders and our residents because what the pandemic's done is it's taken away our sense of control uh, in our own lives. It's taken away a sense of options and decision-making, and it's really rendered so many of us uh, at the, the whim of a very difficult pandemic situation. And so it's been extreme and tough. Yeah. Uh, could you perhaps help us understand your perspective on the Lord Mayor of Melbourne? Because it's a really unusual sort of a position, I think, that, you know, as you mentioned, you know, your traders and your residents and and actually sort of, you know, very, very um, legalistically, you're, you're the mayor of a certain geographic region. And yet all of us, whether we're out in Narriwarren or Werribee or wherever, sort of Melbourne's ours as well. Uh, how do you look at look at being the Lord Mayor? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And uh, at the end of the day, we are a local government like the other 78 local governments across Victoria. And so we are responsible for essential services like collecting waste and rubbish uh, and making sure that uh, we're cleaning and, and fixing footpaths, um, running libraries and rec centres, all the things that local governments do. And I absolutely love, it's been a revelation to me. I've never been in local government before. I love being the level of government that's closely connected to community. Um, it's, so, uh, it's so enthralling and it's almost intoxicating to literally see what we do uh, out on our streets every day. Uh, and so that's lovely. But of course, as a capital city mayor, uh, our influence and uh, the things that we do extend well beyond our municipal borders. And I'm involved in lots of groups with other mayors across Victoria and particularly inner city Melbourne. I work with the mayors of other capital cities around Australia and also internationally. And I'm involved in lots of advocacy and leadership uh, programs and projects uh, because we do need that from our capital cities. So I think there's an expectation. I get letters from regional Victoria, emails from Dandenong. I get texts and tweets from people uh, in even in Richmond, which, which isn't in our municipality either. And I, I take all of those on board and respond to all of them because I do feel that deep sense of pride and commitment from far and wide 
for Melbourne and everything that Melbourne represents as a capital city. So whilst they may not be my residents or traders in my municipality, they are still people that have a stake in Melbourne and feel passionate about something. And so I really try to govern and manage for everybody that feels that connection to Melbourne. Yeah, and that, that's a great focus of it. I, I'd imagine that's difficult to do. So, you know, all power to you as you, you, you try and balance all of those out as we go forward. Um, Sally, a couple of things as I, I look at who you are and your story and how you've got to this place. And as you said, you, know, you hadn't been involved in this local government until now before. And the two things I see is one, you touched on it there, leadership. Um, that's been a big part of your world. And I'd love to hear how you found yourself in this place. And the other thing I've noticed as well from afar as I've watched you, whether it be actually in an event that you're at or or perhaps on the TV or wherever it might be, is uh, you smile a lot more than perhaps other mayors do. Uh, And I'm wondering where that comes from as well. Can you tell us a bit about you and how you got to this position? Yeah, thank you. Well, look, I am a naturally very positive person. I'm not just a glass half full. I'm a glass all the way full kind of gal. And that has a lot to do with my upbringing, the positivity of my parents and the people around me uh, in family and extended family. And I felt very lucky in that way to be able to be optimistic and enthusiastic and exuberant. It's inbuilt as well for me now. And a lot of people do ask me, particularly in the current environment, where do I get my energy from? And, and the first part of that energy is I'm so lucky that it's it's inbuilt. So it's my, my natural way. And I feel really grateful for that because I know it's not like that for everybody. Uh, I'm a really big smiler because I, I'm, I'm naturally, not just naturally happy, but I'm interested and curious. And uh, I'm one of those people that's really open, which has meant I've had my share of crushing moments and downfalls as well. Uh, But I do prefer to be open and lead in that way than to be closed and non-trusting and and take what could be the comfort or or the security of that. Um, That's not the way that I go about things. So um, it really drives a lot of my big smiles. I just love seeing people. Can you imagine what I'm like at the moment when it's all on the phone? It's really hard. As to my career, I often say to people, I'm a, I'm a serial career changer in many ways. I've had so many different roles in different sectors from having my own small business to working in ASX listed companies, from being in government, not-for-profit, private sector. There's probably not many I haven't tried. And a big part of that is being a serial have-a-goer. I've always been like that. Again, at school, if somebody, if a teacher said, who wants to have a go at this, I was always one of those annoying people with my hand up. And again, it has led to some very embarrassing, humiliating moments in my life. Uh, but it's also led to some of the most incredible experiences because I am willing to take risks. I'm willing to test my own boundaries. That's one of my really big things is to keep testing my own boundaries. Don't get me wrong. I have moments of terror almost every day uh, when I realise I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I do get nervous 
and I do worry about things, but I really try to harness that energy into the sense that many people think about doing something. Many people say, I will do that, but not everybody does it. And I have a lot of respect for people that do have a go and try things. And if I want others to do that, then I've got to show the way in doing it myself. So uh, there are still some humiliations ahead, I've no doubt, but I've, I've built up quite a, a thick skin and a resilience to failure uh, and I really respect failure and I'm, I've been able to incorporate that into a pretty successful and fulfilling career. Yeah, that's great. I love the the reality of that. Thank you for sharing it too. And I, I wanted to touch on something you said there too. You know, this idea that you're 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 willing to take the risks. That's sort of the natural part of it. How do you balance that out at now as you know, heading up a local government area? Um, that you clearly you you want to take risks. That's part of what you want to do. But you also need a, a healthy level of you know being a bit conservative as you're dealing with people's lives yeah. and these sorts of things. How do you make sure that you're not sort of pushing one way or the other too much? Well, I love pushing and shoving. I think that's such a great place to be because if we respect that everybody around us is pushing and shoving to get to somewhere better, then they're really constructive conversations to have. I actually lament situations where everybody just says yes, well, that sounds like a good idea because it means means we haven't really... Uh, really discovered and taken the time to investigate what the possibilities might be, whether they're risks or whether they're opportunities, we've really got to help each other push and shove to, to make the most of every situation. So firstly, I love all of that. I do tend to be more of a yes person than a no person, though, as you pointed out. And so I need to make sure I work with people who like to balance out the no's. Having said that, I'm a lawyer by training, so I do appreciate governance. And although governance is probably the most boring word or one of the most boring words, it's a very important part of how we go about, whether it's your personal governance, what are your values and beliefs, what are the rules that apply to the way you like to conduct yourselves and others, through to an organisation's governance. They are our guiding principles. Some of them are legal some of them are formal, some of them are informal and unwritten. But regardless, governance is a really important safety measure for ensuring that we stay within what's legal and acceptable. So I use governance a lot as a way of testing my ideas and my appetite for risk. And I won't stray beyond the governance that applies to a certain situation. But I can say that during COVID, one of the silver linings has been that I really see a shift in our thinking here at Town Hall, but also out in the community to us exploring, experimenting, trying things and knowing that they may not work or be effective, but being willing to try and learn along the way. And this is so important because we haven't really had a rule book for the pandemic so we haven't had that governance necessarily in terms of how to respond. We've had to try things and we've had to do that with best intentions and being as fully informed as we can be. But nonetheless, there have been risks involved. And when we've done that, we've learned so much. And some of those initiatives and projects we'll keep doing. 
And I think that's a really positive thing from this experience. Yeah, that's excellent. And that's what we want to uh, talk a bit more about. What, what are some of the plans coming out of this pandemic? And, and you know, so there's sort of a short, medium and long-term part of that as well. Uh, we want to hear that from the Lord Mayor Sally Cap on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and it's wonderful to have a chat to our Lord Mayor of Melbourne, Sally Cap, joining us. And um, Sally, we've, you, you talked about a bit earlier on about, you know, your upbringing was very sort of positive in the family sense. You know, I do all sorts of different research and uh, as I come into my chatting to my guests, I'm always a little bit wary when I go off Wikipedia's one, but it did say that you are born in Papua New Guinea. Is that correct? That is so true. I was and born so- in Nepal. There you go. And what was what was the situation for the family in Papua New Guinea? And did that sort of shape sort of the, the way your family, you know, grew up? I think so, because uh, in the 60s, for my parents to go on an adventure to live in uh, Rabaul, Papua New Guinea, which is uh, on one of the big islands off the mainland, it's the island of Great New Britain, and to embark on the unknown at that time, Uh, I think is a real testament to them and it's that sense of adventure that I have and my siblings have as well. Uh, I'm really proud that that's part of our history as a family and uh, they went into the unknown and took risks and they really had a wonderful time up there. It was a territory of Australia at the time and it was a place that was going through a lot of change and so they played different roles in that, had a great time, made lifelong friends, and they were part of an interesting time of the history for both Australia and Papua New Guinea. So three of us, myself, my sister and a brother, all born there, and uh, we came home uh, in the early 70s. And it's always been an interesting fact I can throw into those conversations when people say, tell us something that we don't know yeah. about you. Uh, so I was born in the Nonga Base Hospital in, in Rabaul, Papua New Guinea. There you go. I love that. And, you know, many people don't realise they're actually technically our closest neighbour, right, in terms of distance as well. So uh, always, the, always the case. My my kids are fascinated by Papua New Guinea. So it's nice to ask, ask that. Um Sally, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how do we step out of this from a, from a Melbourne perspective. We we mentioned at the very start, you know, there's been riots in the city. There's been obviously the pandemic has had a huge impact on the economy as well as uh, the, the mental state of so many people in your jurisdiction. What are the plans that you've got in place now, and and how much can you actually truly plan as much as just respond? Yes, uh, great questions and. Gosh, we've had a tough time in Melbourne and Victoria. We know that in the Australian context, Melbourne is the hardest hit city municipality in Australia. We've had the longest or the the most number of days in lockdown uh, of any city around the world. Um, We've got a particular set of circumstances in our CBD, which means that our economy and our city traders have have really been uh, through the toughest of trading times. And, of course, as I think lockdown fatigue has really set in and frustrations around the uncertainty of the future, big debates like uh, vaccination and mandatory vaccination, everybody is needing to respond and in some ways struggling, me included, with so many of these issues 
impacting us really all at the same time. And, of course, throw in an earthquake, uh, throw in uh, riots uh, and all sorts of uh, intrigues and, and twos and fros. I call it ducking and diving. It's really been um, the most extraordinary time. A big part of what we've had to do as a local government, as you've said, is respond. But in the context of what the state and federal governments are doing, we've actually never worked closer or more closely with them as we have at the moment. And part of that is really coordinating what our roles are. And for us, it's been very much around supporting and helping people literally survive during this time, everything from small grants to helping people access state and federal government grants. We've got those relationships. So helping people with information. It's been about making sure we continue to provide maternal and uh, child health services through to Meals on Wheels. It's even uh, library services and uh, making sure people feel connected. Uh, it's, it's been really about uh, understanding our role at the time. And I think that's been really useful. And that's certainly something that's been a major focus for us is to make sure that we can respond to helping people during this time. But the other big role for us is about the bounce backs. Um, one of my favourite topics at the moment, because it is the area where we can be more proactive. And whilst it is difficult to plan because no level of government at the moment can really predict with certainty the exact day, the exact hour and what the circumstances will be as we start to ease restrictions and open up. But we do have a roadmap now. And what we do, as many other organisations have to, is that we make plans and then we have contingency plans. Sometimes, like Fashion Festival is coming up here in Melbourne, sometimes we have to con have contingency plan number 23 uh, because there are so many uh, twists and turns that we must respond to, particularly providing COVID-safe environments. That's important. But we want to always maximise the number of people that can participate in events, that can dine in our restaurants and cafes, that can shop in our retail environments, that can go into galleries. So we are often uh, at the forefront of that planning to maximise the outcome within a COVID-safe environment and restrictions. So bounce backs include everything from initiatives like Melbourne Money to really entice people back into the city, major events that might be ours like Fashion Week, Music Week, Christmas, New Year's. We've got all of those plans lined up as we head into a wonderful summer in the city and then helping others like uh, get, getting ready for the tennis in January, cultural festivals that are ready to go as soon as, as we're allowed. Uh, it's all of those efforts to ensure that as we open up, we can do it in the best possible way, helping as many people as possible. Outdoor dining's been fantastic. We've got a new initiative called Inside Out, where we're bringing as much trading out onto the streets as we can. Literally every single idea we can think of, but importantly, that others can think of. Uh, and I'm inundated with great suggestions from people all the time. I, I mentioned the inspiration of so many is that even when they're doing it tough, they're still thinking of fabulous things that can happen across the city and we're really grateful for everybody's ongoing commitment yeah it's great um Sally, one of the things that you know has always been a part of any 
government area is the political aspects of what it means. You know, we, we hope that each of those who are, once they're in government, say, all right, well, we're just going to be governing for the people. We understand that, you know, there's always politics that involve. There seems to be more and more, whether it be national, international, state, or even local over the past few years, um, divisions that seem to be setting where they're saying, I'm just not moving. Maybe in the past used to be, well, this is where it is, but let's talk about it so we can get a compromise. And I want to get more of my side. Um, are you noticing that that's happening even for you? And, and how do I suppose do you deal with that when people just refuse to move and, and perhaps don't want to compromise? Yeah. I'm new to this as well. So I, I came in as an independent because I want to represent the people. I don't want to have to be bound to party politics. If something's a good idea, let's do it. doesn't matter who thought of it. If something's worthwhile, again, we should invest in it and it doesn't matter really uh, whose idea it was or what sort of uh, policy um, background it might have. Um, but that's a bit of a luxury for me and being independent has other challenges. So I don't come with the sort of backing of a big party machine and, and there are so many resources and, and frankly, there are great thinkers and policy makers in, in all of the parties uh, and and so I don't necessarily come with, with, with that backing. But I think in the current environment, I may have a slightly different perspective to you because I'm a little bit on the inside. As I said, the three levels of government, we really are working more closely together than ever before. We are finding more common ground. Uh, and I think that's really positive. I do acknowledge, though, at the moment, of course, in these extreme circumstances, we can tend to focus more on the areas where there's disagreement than where there is agreement. Uh, but if I think over the last little while, the last couple of weeks, we've seen uh, in an ongoing way, state and federal government, so Labor state government in Victoria, federal liberal government agree on funding packages. There might be some things they disagree on, but there've been some fundamental drivers of support where they, they have agreed. Um, I'd love National Cabinet to have worked even more effectively than it has, but we've never had a National Cabinet before. And again, there's plenty of common ground that's been found through National Cabinet. So whilst I acknowledge that there are still differences, I do think um, there's plenty to be pleased about in terms of the cooperation between levels of government. I can tell you very confidently, though, Clayton, from speaking with our traders and our residents, People don't want to see the fights. They don't want to see the antagonism. Now is a time for working together, pulling together and reaching common goals, which is getting our city, our state and our country open again and making sure we're caring for the health of others on our way through. And I do believe that's what most people are focused on. And I think you're 100% right, especially during these times too. Um, Sally, I'd love to talk, you know, obviously we have a Christian base to, to who we are as a radio station and about half of those who listen say that they go along and, and would consider themselves Christians, go along to church, half sort of say, that I, I just like what you guys do. We understand we've got that mix of people listening too. Could you comment, I suppose, about the impact of not just church, but Christian community into the life of the, the city of Melbourne? Yeah, I think it's it's really important. Uh, I think it is um, important for a number of reasons. So let me start. Firstly, I think people having personal beliefs and faith 
is absolutely central to finding stability, comfort when you need it, uh, and really guiding your way forward. They could be very different, and we know that. We have a very diverse community here in the city of Melbourne, but really across Victoria and Australia, I think that's one of our strengths. But what I find when I'm speaking with different, whether they're different um, uh, religious groups, uh, ethnicity, uh, different cultural backgrounds, there's very much a sense for people who are leaders and proactive that they have a strong sense of faith. And, and that's something I do recognise in many people around Melbourne and I admire. The second thing for me about uh, Christian communities is that sense of connection and support. It's been so incredibly important during this time, but it is at any time for people to be able to find others uh, where they're like-minded, uh, where they have uh, some common beliefs, um, where they might disagree occasionally. As I said, I love those sorts of conversations, uh, but really also where they can have engagement and connection. Uh, another thing from this experience of COVID is I think of even more of an appreciation of how much our interaction is vital to our day-to-day, -day, our own sense of well-being, as well as building a sense of community. We've needed to act together more than ever before. We've needed to make sacrifices for others. And really that, the, the, the pillars of that, the foundations of that, I do believe, come from uh, communities that uh, work together. And many of those within the city of Melbourne are Christian communities. And the last thing I wanted to touch on is respect. Communities that build respect uh, for themselves as individuals and for others, either within their groups or to other groups, uh, absolutely essential. And after the Christchurch Terrorist Act, within 24 hours, a multi-faith service was organised on the steps of the State Library uh, with everyone represented and it filled me with so much pride and a sense of positivity about our future to see the respect uh, that occurred between faiths and between Christian groups. It was a wonder to behold and it was certainly necessary at that very frightening time. Yeah. Uh, Sally, final question for me, and it's really a challenge from you to us. Um, I, I suppose I'm saying, you know, here we are, whether we're in a church group or a community with those who are listening to this radio station, hopefully have that desire to be positive. And, and so we mean it. What, what is the challenge? What's the thing that we can do to actually really make a difference? And it might be, you know, we might feel uncomfortable with a challenge from you. That's okay. Let's give it to us. What's actually something we can do to that you see that maybe it's the Christian community or the community at large can, can make that difference? Yeah. Well, look, the rules of the main game at the moment, the main game of getting us all open again and back to the things that we love and the people that we love, uh, the rules are pretty clear. The first one is vaccination. I know that that can be a contentious discussion, but there is no doubt around the world vaccination is the key to guaranteeing really the health of particularly the most vulnerable across our communities 
and to getting us open again. So vaccination. The second one here in Victoria, as much as we might not like it, is to obey the rules, to follow the restrictions, to do the right thing. I know there's some fraying at the edges at the moment because we've been doing it for so long and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm like you, I'm bursting to get back out there and I have to just measure myself to make sure that I stay focused on obeying those restrictions because that's the best way we're going to get to that light at the end of the tunnel sooner and safely. And then the last thing that we have as part of our rules is to really care for others. And we can demonstrate that in so many ways. If you're able, order a takeaway meal or buy a gift online to support a local trader, wherever you are, it makes the biggest of differences. Reach out to the people around you or somebody that you may be concerned about. It is a time not for anger and, and anger and aggression. It is the time for kindness and caring. And if we do that, we really are going to hit the goals in our roadmap and we're going to get towards marvellous Melbourne and Victoria sooner and safely. It's wonderful. Sally, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and thank you so much for giving us so much of your time as well. Uh, We wish you all the best um, and I'm sure there's a whole lot of us who will be praying for you in your role as well as Lord Mayor of Melbourne. Thanks again for your time. Thanks, Clayton. Thanks for letting me give you such long answers. I don't often get an opportunity to do that, so I really appreciate it. And I feel that support, and I hope you feel uh, the embrace of everything we're doing here at the City of Melbourne. So thank you. Wonderful. The Lord Mayor of Melbourne, Sally Cap, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.